I'm Darren Gary, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to the person they always laugh with, to the first time they felt laughed at. It was always weird when our mom came to pick us up in school because all the other mothers were dressed like mothers and my mom was in a leather jacket and shades and skinny <laughs> jeans like and was like a rock star like you know and uh, like I, the, Connor used to say to my mom you not wear your leather jacket and sunglasses when you pick me up next time like you know <laughs> she's like no I will because yeah, I'm an icon <laughs> exactly yeah leader of the coronas and all round sound guy Danny O'Reilly is my guest this week he talks to me about how playing Ga in London was great for getting gigs how he answers people who question why they aren't bigger outside of Ireland and why he used to deny that Mary Black was his mom. I'm delighted to tell you that this season of the Laughs of Your Life podcast is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. It's that time of year where the bank holiday weekends just keep on coming. There was the mega weekend we had for St. Patrick's Day. There was Easter weekend. There's this weekend, the June one, the August one. It's fantastic. But it does mean there's a few extra nights out. And so you need a few extra looks. Even just to spice up one look you already have with a blazer or a nice pair of shoes or a cool jacket or some kind of dress you can throw on. If that's you, if you want to spice things up, head into FNF. They have some gorgeous, brightly coloured bits and bobs. You may have seen the reel I did as part of the Instagram competition where I gave away a voucher for FNF recently. Those fab bits are in store as well as loads of other bits. Pop in for the weekly shop and step out in style with a new wardrobe this spring slash summer at FNF. And now for my chat with Danny O'Reilly. I hope you enjoy. Danny O'Reilly. Hello. You are extremely welcome to the Laughs of Your Life podcast. Thank you very much, Darren. How are you? I'm great now. Uh, you're just back from London. I am. Yeah, we're recording some new music. We were just saying, hard to believe, album seven. That's uh, crazy stuff. Do you ever stop recording music? or? No, just... what else would I be doing? Uh, <laughs> um, no, like we love it. We sort of, yeah, we, we weren't really planning on, on doing an album so soon after the last one came out, but obviously because there was no gigs happening in the last two years that we had lots of time to to write and and we turned around there probably in September and said god we have the next album ready well I suppose we might as well do it because there's not much going on so it's actually worked out well and timing wise because now things seem to be back a bit and, and we have the album sort of ready to go and probably won't come out till end of the year I'd say September or something like that but yeah uh, we'll be well into the swing of things then yeah exactly fingers crossed I think it went uh one of two ways for people in your industry either they were kind of um their style was cramped so they couldn't be creative and write or they found it to be really helpful to just kind of be doing nothing and and write. But obviously yeah. it worked well for you guys. It, it went in different uh, sort of phases, like w- which is the way I tend to write in general anyway. But the first lockdown, I just ended up being creative. Like it was hard to... Initially, I did the same as everyone else and watched the Tiger King and Last Dance. and, and <laughs> Tiger King actually yeah. gives me the ick now yeah. when I think about it. It's yeah. such a lockdown one Yeah, thing. exactly. It's such that reminder, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and I did nothing for a little while. But then just started writing. Once I sort of got to grips with... Okay, are you able... First of all, I got to grips with the coronavirus versus my band names type thing as well. Once that was sort of settled and it was like, okay, that's just weird. Uh, it's just a weird level of an already strange uh, situation getting a bit stranger there with that one. Like, but uh, like we were getting, we were getting like messages from BBC and, and like CNN and stuff going, you know, and they obviously have an angle like how, how COVID is affecting the music industry, but there's more. This band... 
have this name coming up after this, you know? <laughs> and it was just like, okay. So we, we were the extra angle on, on some of the news articles. The like, spin. yeah, people coming on going, oh, yeah, and we're trying to get the lead singer from the vaccines on as well. We think it'd be great for him to have you on the interview together. It's like, really? Yeah, what, what are we going to say to each other? Like, oh yeah, shit name? Yeah, shit name, me too. Um, but so yeah, after that weirdness, um, <laughs> And it, like, and eventually when, because uh, we weren't even releasing music at that time as well, so I, I was just like, no, I'm not going on just, <laughs> just to be the extra kicker in the in the weird story, like the the sob story about music industry and this band have it even worse. <laughs> but uh, but eventually then when we released an album, I was like, if they want to talk to me for thirty seconds about our unfortunate band name and then I promote the album, yeah. I don't care. So, but initially it was weird because no one knew what was going on, and it, it's just like it's strange, strange. But yeah, thankfully I was quite creative in the first lockdown and then second lockdown or like somewhere in the middle when everything else started getting back to normal but we felt like our industry was just being a bit like ah forget about that lads for a while like yeah they're all right there like you know what I mean and that's when I sort of struggled a bit with it you're raring to go and yeah. feel stifled I suppose yeah. can't get moving exactly. and you were very like you have a lot of Irish artists you were really vocal about it and you had to be you had yeah. to shout about it and I did it make the, a difference do you feel yeah I think a little bit I think eventually we had to say something like and I was asked all through the lockdowns from the very start from from friends of mine friends of mine who are musicians who were giving out about restrictions in the earlier doors and I was like no like I don't think it's time to rattle cages now and I sort of think that the government are doing what they can and blah 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 and then as it went on and like even it's funny you saying I was vocal I probably did two interviews about it but then it becomes a thing and yeah. then they get shared on Twitter Same and voice. this and this and, and all of a sudden I was attacking the GAA and there was all these no, different angles <laughs> but like I was like yeah no I was going to ask you about that yeah, <laughs> yeah we can I don't care I got, a, I got an awful amount of abuse no. when I went down Gaelic train on the Thursday did you? <laughs> yeah oh you some neck walking back in here like after what you said about the GAA I, was, oh, I said it was great I said it was great that they're letting 70,000 people into Crow Park would they not consider letting music happen as well like and the, the, somehow that got turned into I hate the GAA <laughs> even though I'm back playing football this year I had the best year ever back playing guy uh, as Paddy well knows uh, I, I'm I'm uh, yeah teammate of a friend of his so yeah I loved it this year and so it was funny walking back in and the lads just going oh, yeah. but that but that's the best thing about playing football just on a different point because they just abuse you like I remember when I moved to London <laughs> the first time when we signed to Ireland and I just googled the closest GAA club to me and uh, went, arrived up a train and one night rang the manager how are you I'm Danny and he picks me up from the train station and he's like and what, what do you do yourself? It's like, I'm a musician. He goes, oh, geez, it must be very tough as at weddings and, and pubs and stuff you do. like. And I was like, ah, yeah, no, we do. Okay, he goes, listen, I tell you what, I'll do a whip around now amongst the lads and we'll see if there's any old gigs going. I know one of the lads is a manager in a pub. We'll try and get you a little gig. <laughs> like, ah, stop! <laughs> oh, my God, my heart. And I, I was like, that'd be crazy. Yeah, sure, why not? Like, And then the next day, one of the one of the team down there is like, you're your man from the crown. It's like, start giving me digs then, you know? But uh, so yeah, <laughs> but anyway, that's why I love football because it doesn't yeah. matter what you do, you know. And it grounds you. Yeah, and everyone's just the same. Like it's just your mates and you play together. So <laughs> uh, anyway, where was I off to with that? <laughs> we need to get down to our laughter, Danny. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I feel bad now that I didn't didn't bring notes. <laughs> okay, Danny O'Reilly, <clears throat> your first memory of laughter. My first memory of laughter is definitely. Um, 
do you know the way I think when you're younger, oftentimes some of your memories get formed by like pictures you've seen or, or videos. And, and we used to have this home video of me and I'm probably only, I'm barely able to talk. So I'm probably whatever, less than two, like, but I'm, there's a, there's like, it's in, there's a big group of people. I don't know whether it's what sort of party is going on. It must be someone's birthday party. And I think it's my turn to tell jokes and I'm telling jokes and my joke was I didn't really understand how jokes work because I was a baby <laughs> so I was just like knock knock and everyone just went who's there Danny and I just went ah! I thought that's all you had to do and then people laughed do you know you just you just say knock knock and then you make it laugh name <laughs> noise and everyone would laugh but definitely like those sort of home videos for me like we all we for whatever reason, we went through a phase of doing a lot of them and, and now I don't know where they are now, but I remember going to France as well when I was about three. It was like our first family holiday and just loving it. And, and we were always very lucky, I think, you know, getting to, to go places as kids and, 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 you know, my parents worked very hard and we got a little holiday. So th th things like that stand out when I was young, basically, yeah, family holidays and trying to be funny. It was a happy household. Yeah, really happy household. Yeah, we, I, again... Uh, yeah, we're blessed. We, we, I mean, happy, but we fight like every family, and we have issues, and you know, we kill each other. Especially me and Roshan and Connor, like we absolutely kill each other growing up. Like, and me and Roshan, for like, we weren't, we had no time for each other growing yes. up. No, 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 no time at all for each other. Like, and now we actually hang out a bit. She sings in the band sometimes. Obviously, she does her own stuff, and and we sort of gotten close. But when we were growing up, even though we were only three years apart like you seem to be really close now you seem to socialise a lot together yeah well I think because we, we're in the same circles now with yeah. the band you know and, and you know oftentimes she'll be writing with people that I'm working with or producers or whatever and then of course because she's been in the band like and uh, as I say just singing back and for the Cronas and doing piano and stuff that we do you know we, we're spending a lot, lot more time together but yeah we get on great it's I think and, and the same with me and Connor we killed each other growing up like absolutely killed each other it seems like a very obvious question to ask but music in your house can you ever remember a time where it wasn't um, like ingrained in your family I remember when I was in about fourth or fifth class my mum had just been on the Late Late Show and I went into school and it was the first time that you know, kids that I didn't hang around with or anything started slagging me or like, you know, just mentioning it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And my brother always says it was always weird when our mom came to pick us up in school because all the other mothers were dressed like mothers and my mom was in a leather jacket and shades and skinny <laughs> jeans like and was like a rock star, like, you know. And uh, like I, the, Connor used to say to my mom, you, you not wear your leather jacket and sunglasses when you pick me up next time, like, you know. <laughs> She's like, no, I will, because yeah, I'm an icon. <laughs> exactly, yeah. She was like, what are you talking about? Like, she didn't get it. Like, that was just the way she rocked around, like, you know. But um, yeah, music was always around. We were always encouraged. Like my mom, when I was young, she actually wanted us to play music. I think she always regretted not taking up an instrument when she was younger. She's, you know, she can play a little bit of guitar and ukulele now, but she, uh, you know, when she never really played an instrument. So she always encouraged us to, to get lessons. And, and, and I remember when I was struggling with guitar initially, I wanted to give up. You get to that phase when you start an instrument where it's just like, this isn't sounding the way I thought it would. And it's hard work and I have to practice and my fingers won't go where I want them to go and all this. And, she actually bribed me a fiver every every lesson. She says, stick with it and I'll give you five euros for every single lesson you do. So she had to pay the teacher and me <laughs> to do them. But, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and uh, it, once I got over, it only took about four or fivers. Once you get over that hump 
and then all of a sudden you I could play a few Oasis songs and I was away like and that's all I wanted to do you know and so uh, yeah definitely very appreciative of her for, for sticking with that and, and making a stick with it I suppose because <clears throat> and she also encouraged us to write songs as well um, and that was great because yeah I started early even though you know they were all terrible. Arguably, they're still terrible. But uh, yeah, I started writing songs earlier. They're not terrible. They're Thank fantastic. You. Thank you. Was, when yeah. did you... So what age would that have been when you started writing songs and when you felt like you were kind of mastering the guitar a bit? Yeah, well, I suppose... Uh, yeah, not never mastered it still, but, but by any stretch. But uh, like, uh, I suppose I only wanted to learn how to play guitar so I could back myself for singing songs again. I wanted to... I got an Oasis, What's the Story, Morning Glory songbook and just started learning songs and playing them. And I'd say I probably wrote my first song when I was about 14, like, and, oh, it's terrible. Like, <laughs> I think it, I wrote it, for some reason, I thought this was a great idea. I'd write it from the perspective of an alcoholic, even though I'd never had an alcoholic drink in my life, right? <laughs> so was it was like, like? Yeah, I wonder where all my dreams are gone. Like this type of stuff. I wake up each morning and, you know, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like the equivalent of being on it like you know when you're on a train and you look out the window and you're like you would convince yourself you're in a movie where your heart's been broken exactly and just burst into song and that was it except I spent months on it and you, you, you could probably write a song in five seconds like that but uh, yeah so but it, even at that it, like there was encouraging people around me and I remember even my auntie Frances used to be oh that's great and she'd always make an effort to Fair play, and because I was an awkward teenager, you know, braces and just really shy, lanky, and skinny, and yeah, so it was great to have people encourage encourage me, you know. Okay, well, when you mentioned being lanky and skinny, what was the first time you felt laughed at? I know you've mentioned the late late instant, yeah. <laughs> but around that age, did you feel laughed at? Were you self conscious? Yeah, I think you know, uh, yeah, I was definitely, and I, and I think. That's what I was going to say. It was definitely the Mary Black thing was a, was a strange thing for me growing up. You know, she's the best mom ever, but it was definitely just, a, it took it took me a while to get used to it. I think I remember when we were in Irish college and no girls would even talk to me. And, and then by the second week of Irish college, the word might have spread, oh, your man's mom is, you know, a woman's heart. Like, you know that song, you know? And the next thing, there'd be girls talking to me and I was sort of had serious trust issues from, from an early age because of that, I think, you know? Really? Yeah, it's just a bit like I used to, and I feel bad saying it now because I'm so proud of my mom and she's amazing, but like I used to deny it, like, you know, I'd... Did you remember? And I'd be like, no, it's his ma. And one of the lads would be like, yeah, it's my ma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there was always there was always a few will, willing uh, members, to, or mates to stand up and go, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think I was just, I, I don't know, I don't, that was just probably something that I was, you know, some issue that I was u- uncomfortable with or whatever. And, and yeah, and I think I sort of grew, even in early days of Corona is when we used to do interviews and stuff. Like, I would never ask an interviewer not to mention my mom. But if they asked me, like, in the very early days, if they asked me before, would you rather if I didn't mention your mom? I'd be like, yeah, I actually would rather, yeah. if, you, if you don't mind, because we're just talking about the band. And and after a while, though, 
I didn't. I, I, as I said, I never brought that up myself anyway. And if they asked me, I'd always just play it down. Ah, she's. Just, I always had a great one where I just go. Ah, she's just like the other mams. She, you know, she's a great lasagna maker. Yeah, yeah, like, kill it. Know, yeah, kill it straight away. <laughs> yeah. like, but just, I'd always talk about the other mothers, like yeah, you know, and yeah. them as a collective in the, in the band as opposed to just my mom, like because she is just a great mom as well. You know, people don't realize that, like you know, and you know, again, in answer to your question, music was always around, but when she was home. It wasn't like, you know, now I'm going to perform for his lads on the kitchen table. Like, you know, she was just a mom, like, get yeah. up out of bed and, you know, giving out and whatever, like, and, and a great mom and still is, you know. But it is, it's so important. You want to feel like you're achieving different milestones in your own career on your own merit. Like, and it's it seems like a basic thing to say, but it is like you, yeah. you don't want to feel like you're getting a leg up. Yeah, exactly. And even though, you know, in hindsight, I did probably get a leg up you know and I got, had a really sport and I had two parents who were in the industry who could always advise us and, and my dad especially in the early Coronas albums helped us finance and, and set up the label with us and you know and again even that stuff I was like oh I hope no one finds out that my dad's helping us release music like you know and but he he, did, he wasn't doing us a favour he was like he could see the people at the gigs and he was getting in there offering us a better deal than what a major would have done because he had his own label with, with my mom and yeah. he was like well I'm going to make money off this and <laughs> uh, like you know and, and I'll have control over it and I'll be able to and so he saw it like that an investment. And then when Ireland finally came knocking and we, we signed to Ireland and he, a big record deal, they had to buy him out and he slid with himself then. Yeah. Like, you know, and as I said, he had just sort of been a silent sort of backer and, and, and we had sort of winged it ourselves. But uh, yeah, th those sort of things initially I, I didn't. Uh, but as I say, they definitely did help me along the way, without a doubt. And, that, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say that, no. like, you know. But as you say, the tickets have to be sold and you yeah. have to uh, you have to be committed and talented and brilliant to be on album number seven. So fuck the haters. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay, Danny. The moment when, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Well, I suppose, again, like what we started off this, like a COVID, and, our, and our, that's what I was going to mention about the band. And like, because that was just an extra level of weirdness and a scary situation. And no one, I mean, you, you remember what it was like in the first lockdown and everyone was like, what's going on? And, and then you just throw in, and because we had, I had sort of, because I have this thing, I don't know if you have a, a, like Google alerts when anything is written about the Coronas yeah. online, they come into our band account or whatever. Yeah. And like, I don't look at them, but every, like now and again, it's like, what is this going on in China? And this was like before. And I was like, oh God, that's a bit weird. And all of a sudden, so we were keeping an eye on it and you could just see it grow and grow and grow. And it was just like, oh God. And I, so I was telling people before they do here, I go, this virus is coming. I've been reading about this for a month. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, were you talking? I, no, I wasn't actually really, but like. You were a full on Corona spokesperson. <laughs> people were like, ah, it's, it's only a small thing. I'm like, have you seen the numbers? No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think I probably was aware of it before, but I think I was like trying trying to I don't know it'll be grand it'll be grand it'll go like you know but uh, as I say definitely that was a moment when when everything happened and uh, like and it was just yeah now it seems futile because you know COVID or coronavirus whatever you call it yeah. has just become so just ingrained in I everyone know. I but, genuinely because I remember at the start actually feeling for you guys but yeah, now well, it's yeah. actually it's so yeah. you don't yeah. it's everyone calls it COVID now yeah, first yeah, of all yeah, but exactly. second of all like 
whatever. Like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I like in the first lockdown. I don't know if you remember, but um, Mark from Codeline caught COVID, and and he, fair play to him, he came out and talked about it. I think yes. it was on RTE or something. And I sent him a message. He was one of the first people of like, I suppose, our Note. peers, yeah. like you know, musicians and stuff. I text him and go, oh, "Jesus man, I hope you're okay." And he was like, "Yeah, man, you too. It can't be easy with that band name or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> it was like if he was equating having COVID too it's probably worse if you're in a band called Corona so yeah that was that was definitely a moment where yeah didn't laugh and cry yeah. Danny O'Reilly your no laughing matter moment in life no laughing matter um, yeah I mean again at the start of COVID um, when my, my granny passed away it was just sort of the time and because it was no one had gotten used to the funerals the small funerals and stuff and my dad couldn't you know hug his granny goodbye and you know everyone has their own story and, and that was just a, a, a definitely where not only did I, I was I sad that my my granny passed away but I really felt for my dad and his brothers and sister that they couldn't have the funeral that they would have had and it wasn't even about the numbers of people out there because I know that my my granny would have had you know thousands probably at, at the funeral because everyone who she met, like, you know, still would say to me now, I'm more, more O'Reilly, like, because she used to run all the shops, the Dolphin Dish shops that my granddad um, uh, used to own, yeah, uh, which was on Moore Street. My granny was, the, was the, like, the manager there for years, like, and um, so, yeah, I think it was definitely, I, I felt for my parents, or for my dad and, and his siblings, that they, it wasn't even the funeral, it was like, they couldn't have the afters, like, you couldn't have that, Irish thing of everyone going for you know tea and sandwiches and talking about her and, and the stories and everyone remember when Maura did this and remember when she used to do this and, that, and you, you didn't really have that and it was at the weird stage of the start where everyone was just like went their separate ways like and then we still haven't had to have we've, we've said since then that we're going to have another send off for when we can yeah you know so we haven't had to do that but um again like my um, my uncle and my dad spoke really well at the funeral and, and we're making jokes as well and you know remembering good good times about my granny as well but that was definitely yeah it's, that's that's just a t depressing moment sorry yeah. that. no, no that's, what, that's, <laughs> that's the nature of that okay, question cool. you have to get a bit deep for a moment Danny. okay no but it is yeah i think everyone has their own story now mm. um no matter what it is um okay danny the person that you always laugh with it's got to be people and it's it's got to be the lads like the band and crew like <laughs> we have so much crack on the road like I was thinking about that I was trying to I remember looking at the question and, and we were actually in studio when I saw the question and I was like I'd been laughing all day and it was probably the most I'd laughed in ages like you know it was just like you know ah oh yeah of course like the right the answer is right there in front of you like you know <laughs> um, we have so much crack and we get on so well you know even when we went through tough times in the band like for example when Dave our guitar player left like it was never like Dave would come over to me and we'd talk and we'd still be laughing and having the crack. It was never real, you know, there was never real bad feelings or bad vibes like, you know, and, and likewise, whenever anyone in the band's going through a tough time or whatever, you know, the laughter is the thing. And, and that's the thing when you go on the road as well, like it's just a group of lads and you're on a tour bus or whatever, like the humor can get like, there's no holes barred. Like, there's no sensitive subject. You can be slagged about anything and everything. Like, there's no, you wouldn't want to be sensitive, like, you know, by the end of the tour. Maybe in the start, people are a bit, but yeah, your biggest weakness, like people will, people <laughs> jump on that, like, you know. 
Um, you need to be really close with people though for that to be okay. Yeah, exactly. No, 100%. But it actually does make it better. Like if you have something that you're insecure about like and someone knows when to wind you up about it, it can actually just sort of, oh yeah, it is just a joke actually. It is a stupid thing to be concerned about or whatever. Like, you know, so uh, definitely, as I say, the band and crew when we're on the road, it's, we have so much crack, yeah. It's, it's funny because um, I work with obviously the two lads now, mm. Donica and Carl, and it's there's a real kind of lad vibe yeah. <laughs> on the team, even like that. Like Donica calls me the swan at the start. I was like, oh my God, that's so nice. Like, what do you mean the swan? And he was like, no, like you'd hiss at any of us if we like, do you like, you're you're aggressive. Like you'd, you'd get really aggro. I was like, I thought you meant like, I was really fab and elegant. He was like, no, like you're a psycho. But, but you need to be, you need to get on great with someone for that to be okay. Exactly. But yeah. what you're saying there, like about Dave leaving, have there ever been periods throughout uh the Coronas and you guys being together where you have felt, God, are we running out of road? Am I running out of road? And if yeah. so, like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Well, when Dave sat me down the first time and said that he wasn't enjoying it anymore and he wanted to, you know, he wanted to leave straight away, I thought, well, that's it. That's the end of our chapter. Really? Yeah, because he was one quarter or one fifth if you count our manager of the band and we never really saw doing it without them like in any way like you know so I was like maybe this is the beginning of the end like you know maybe we'll finish it we had some tour gigs booked and I was like we can finish out this and see what happens then and but it was actually the other two boys who, who sort of came to me it was like Danny like we still love it like we have Dave's blessing he knows that like he wasn't enjoying it and he felt guilty because he was almost because he was unhappy he knew that it was sort of hampering the buzz for the other three of us because yeah. we were still loving it like and he didn't want to be that like I think he had guilt over that of just yeah. being unhappy in that situation like so he's like for your sake and for my own I think I should step away like so and I think Connor and, and Noxy were probably the first two to realise that and said Danny like this is this could just give us a new lease of life like, yeah. and reinvigorate us and I think it did and it definitely did me as a writer because Dave would have been the person in the band that I wrote with the most Okay, so when I think when he left, I was like, oh, well, well, what does this mean? But as I say, it just coincided with loads of new music coming and, you know, pretty much half of the last album and then this whole new album and then with COVID as well, all all came pretty quickly after after Dave told me, you know, so. Um, Change yeah. is good sometimes. Absolutely. Okay, Danny, a time where you had the last laugh. I feel like when gigs came back, <laughs> like, you know, and even the socially distant gigs in September that we did... As soon as I could see that after a year and a half of no real gig and as soon as I could see the reaction from the crowd, because I think there was a small part of me that was like, maybe when things come back, that'll be different. Like, and people won't want to go to gigs and people. And I kept telling myself, <clears throat> oh no, I'd, I'd love to go to a gig. If, you know, if Bell X One were playing in Vicar Street, like I'd go in now, I don't care. I'd go like, but you still don't know what anyone else is thinking. And I think when we got back gigging, and we could see that there was still a demand there and people knew some of our new songs and the gigs were going well. And that was like, oh yeah, we 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 did well to sort of, yeah, like ride this one out, I suppose, ride it out. Like, but uh, yeah, I think just having my dream job feels like having the last laugh. And and that's the thing. I, I always appreciated my my job and what I do and loved it but I think like everyone COVID has that thing where it just makes you appreciate it a bit more like but definitely you know yourself doing a job that's creative and that you enjoy doing like yeah. I think there is that's 
the last laugh like it doesn't really, it never really feels like work well it probably does for you getting up at three in the morning <laughs> no it doesn't we actually discussed this earlier here like when the alarm goes off you're like I want to die when you get out of the bed you're like I want to die but once you're showering in the car it could be any time of the day and I I laugh for three hours straight yeah so there you go very lucky yeah because I, I was watching the morning show and, and uh, Jennifer Anson keeps waking up at half three in the morning oh to go and I'm just like How I'm sorry you? she gets on the treadmill I was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fucking open up okay Danny if laughter wasn't the best medicine what would be I have to say music like I think <laughs> would you say would you say you're passionate about music yeah is that a surprise <laughs> uh, football as well sport is brilliant like for me um, I got really high there when I said football didn't I football um, <laughs> Yeah, but sport, yeah, is huge. But definitely, I mean, music, writing music has always been my, the, the cathartic thing, I suppose, for me and, and getting over things and, you know, but... Uh, yeah, getting football. over things, to tell me more. Yeah, with anything, like bad breakups, friendships, fights, family stuff, band stuff. Like, I always write about the band. People always go, oh, that's a lovely love song. And I'm like, yeah, that's about Noxie and Connor and me trying to be <laughs> in a good band or whatever. <laughs> And so, not so much in recent years, but in the past, people have always been fairly interested in your love life, Johnny. Oh, have they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've noticed. Um, no, you've kind of been quiet about it in recent years. Well, has that been his conscious decision? Yeah, it actually has. Yeah, has it? Yeah, it just like in in the, I was a little bit naive. I think in my early twenties, and I was just like, oh, I don't care, and I'll say whatever. And and then, it, like, if you comment on your personal life, I think then if anything goes badly, then or you know if, if something they want to write about they feel like they can because you've commented on it before yeah. so now I just don't comment on it at all and you know that's, it's, it's a better way to do it it's just a bit better it, like it keeps it a bit separate as well I think for myself and for my own friends and family and definitely at one stage if we were in a, having a real DMC podcast we would get deep into all issues of when we got dropped by Ireland moving back to London and me trying to find the difference between Danny from the Coronas and Danny O'Reilly me like you know it is everything that happens to the band is that what defines me like so you know if the band's doing well does that mean I'm successful or not even just that but is Danny the Coronas me or is there another is it and knowing keeping that so private and having good relationships with your family and friends that are completely separate to the band I think is is key for me and I ended up realising all that stuff so do so was there a stage where that was kind of muddied for you yeah yeah okay 100% where I was just like is this you know yeah is is this me now like you know if the Crohn's released a bad song and we don't get played in radio anymore does that mean that uh, you know yeah, it's it, that's I'm not successful, or you know, and people oftentimes would always say, "Oh, Jenny, like you're such a good band, like, and you never really kicked on outside Ireland, and you know, whatever happened, you know, you like." And I'm like, "Yeah, but there's no guarantee I'd be happier if that happened." And uh, as I say, like, I'm in a good spot, and I've had a great life, got to play my own music, write my own songs, and haven't had much you know creative negativity with big labels telling us to do other things we're not comfortable with or getting caught up in that other world of of Danny Cronas or celebrity or whatever that thing means like I never had to do that we could sort of do it on our own terms so I like that's that's pretty good so I'm, I'm grateful for that and that feels like a good you know point to be at as opposed like I always say to people go oh, yeah like I go well, there's no guarantee that Chris Martin is happier than I am like just because his exactly. band are more successful than we are like you know 
So I think we, when you when you realize that you don't put your happiness on your ambition or your success, like that's yeah. it, that's key. And you go, well, that's what I want to do. But if it doesn't happen, I'm all right anyway. Like, you know. And is it so important? Do you feel to continue to surround yourself with the people who genuinely care about you, about you, yeah. rather than getting wrapped up in shite? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And again, like definitely, I think you learn as as you grow up and and yeah like I mean even coming back from London when we lived over there like my brother had two kids like and I was like just looking at what messages whatsapps or whatever and just missing it it's like I want to be home like, I know you know what I mean it's like why am I here in London like you know even though I don't regret it and you know if it if it needed to be done again for the band I'd go for you know six months a year and yeah if it had to be done I would do it but I didn't want to just stay there chasing something when I had a great life here, yeah. you know, and, and family here and all those other things that make your life great. Like, so I, I was happy to come back. Like, you know. Okay, Danny, are you ready for your quick fire round? I am. The actor that always makes you laugh. John C. Riley, Will Farrell, yeah. you know, all that sort of crew. Steve Carell. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go for John C. Riley. Okay, he's yeah. He's my favourite. Nice. The actress that makes you laugh a lot. Uh, Phoebe Waller, Fle- Fleabag, what's her name? <laughs> Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. one. Jane is nodding show. away. That, that actually made me <laughs> laugh so much, and I didn't think I'd like it at all, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. The movie that makes you laugh out loud. Dumb and Dumber, always. Great. Uh, yeah, we I watched it in lockdown again for the first time in a few years, and yeah, it's a laugh a minute. Classic. It's amazing. Uh, the comedian that makes you laugh out loud. I love I love Dara Dara Breen he's he's good clean fun yes. you know he's just I, smart oh, and he's not all shouty and cursy and you know so true yeah he's just good clean fun and he's smart and he just comes up with little things and uh, yeah we've seen him a few times so I always, always look forward to sometimes it sometimes I want to delete Twitter and then it's people like Dara Breen yeah. that make me want to stay yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and finally Danny your best or worst joke so um, I rang up my personal trainer and I said, um, I really want to learn how to do the splits. Can you help me out? And my personal trainer was like, what? You want to learn how to do the splits? And I said, yeah, I really want to learn to do the splits. And the personal trainer goes, all right, well, like, how how flexible are you? And I said, I can't do Mondays or Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that goes under the worst That's category. Worse. That's, That's, That's I, the worst. I love the dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel O'Reilly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million, Darren. Fair play. Thank you so much for sharing the last of your life. No worries. Thank you for listening to the Last of Your Life podcast with Danny O'Reilly, the penultimate episode this season. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate and review. It really helps the show if you do. And don't forget, the new show release day is Monday. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. And this season of the Laughs of Your Life podcast is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco.